Alcova Mortgage is here for good. We are locally owned, value great communication, and are committed to our Covington community. Call Alcova Mortgage Covington at 540-962-7152 or visit alcovahighlands.com to get in touch for your mortgage lending needs. Alcova Mortgage, NMLS ID 40508. NMLSConsumerAccess.org Equal housing lender Terms and conditions apply All loans subject to credit approval What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show If you know, you know If you know, you know Brick layers and ball shorts Coaching from the side of the ball court If you know, you know One stop like a Walmart We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport If you know, you know If you know about the carport Them trap doors supposed to be awkward If you know, you know That's the reason we ball for Circle round twice for the encore If you know, you know what up, 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 do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amal Hawkins. Appreciate you for taking time out today to listen to the latest episode of the show as we recap University of Virginia football team versus Georgia Tech that took place Thursday night. I know it's Sunday that y'all listening to this, but we just kept it on schedule and dropped it on the Sunday uh, appreciate everybody for the support. As always, man, if you could go to um, Apple Podcasts, drop a review, man. One star, five star. Even if you just say, hey, good show, hey, average show. It helps with the algorithms and it helps with the visibility of the podcast. So definitely appreciate that. Also, as always, you know, the Ball Hawk Show podcast is exclusive on Believe Network. And then it gets pushed out to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, Amazon, Google, um, a host of other podcast platforms. So I appreciate everybody that uh that supports and listen, man, that shares, that retweets on Twitter, um, all the Facebook groups that I'm a part of that I you know participate in, the message boards that I participate in, even the message boards who be cussing me out, because Petty Hawk be really enjoying when y'all be cussing me out, and he he ain't ready to talk right now, but. I'm pretty sure he got a lot to say. He on one right now, so I'm gonna allow him to be the DJ of the the walk up part of the show. You know, before we break down what took place in the game, so be sure to fast forward if you want to, because I don't know what he's gonna play today. Seems like he's gonna be real violent in the music. Gonna be, hey, ball, ho, 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 whoa! Wait a minute. Shout out to Piper Boy Williams, but wait a minute. You can't be setting you really is media now. You you is a full-fledged media guy now. How you just painted this narrative to put me in a bad light. You don't know what I'm gonna play. You can't come off saying, Oh, y'all better beware. He's gonna play some valid music. They gonna think wrong. They gonna like even if I came off with some Anita Baker, they gonna think Anita Baker is valid because you say I'm gonna come out with some you know what, Ball Hawk, you you really is media now, man. You're a media guy. You're not a you're not a player. You're, you're not a player anymore. You're for any player that's listening to this, Petty Hawk is the the pro player personality, the PPP. Pro player personality. I got another acronym for y'all. 
I gave you the, 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 the L, the three L's. Now I'm giving you the three P's. What was the three L's? The lovable, likable, loyal bird. Yeah. See, you remember you pay attention. Don't you ball? Everybody clap it up for ball hawk. Ball hawk, you pay attention. You really did go to class, didn't you? You went to class at UVA because you paid attention. You remember, I didn't even remember what I said the three L's was, but you did. You are, you are something else, sir. Congratulations. Now back to, well, you go ahead and finish ball hawk and let me know when I could DJ because I got these songs queued up. Okay. So let the first time listeners know what to expect. All right. For all you first time listeners, that's my alter ego. Patty Hawk just jumps in. Um, yeah, he's rude, but, um, He's he's a part of the show. I apologize, but if you're just listening right now, we do our walk up. Uh, first of all, salute to the sponsors. Who? Wait a minute. Salute to the sponsors. You heard the commercial for Alcova Mortgage. Go to AlcovaHighlands.com if you need a loan. Check them out, man. They definitely take care of you. The holidays is coming up. You want to be financially free? Holler at the great people at Alcova Mortgage. Go to AlcovaHighlands.com. Also, if you look in the business for insurance, if your current insurance company ain't cutting it for you, you know what I'm saying? The premium's a little too high. Go talk to the people at Able Insurance. Go to AbleInsurance.net for all your insurance needs. Home, business, auto, life insurance. The great people at Able Insurance. Service in the state of Virginia for over 20 years, man. So holler at them. So we just did shout out to the sponsors. All right. Then we go to the walk up music to where we play some music to get our mind right. We take you in behind the curtain like we do as players before we walk out on the field. You know what's in your headphones type vibes. You can always fast forward. Now, granted, I don't always timestamp every podcast episode. So just hit the little 10, you know, the little 10, 15 second little arrow that they got on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Believe. You know how you could just, you know, you could do that. Just it's, it usually take about two minutes, two, three minutes, depends on what type of bag we in. Sometimes we get a little ahead of ourselves and we play the whole day gone song. We apologize. Um, but yeah, man. So. Then we get to the the stats. You know, we give you the box score breakdown. We give you a little bit of game notes. Anybody that broke records or had a first or been 2000 since this, 1995, we give you that. And then we get into our offensive, defensive, analytical side to a ball hawk. Myself, I break down what I saw from film because I've actually watched the film like I'm a former player and I'm grading and I'm telling you, hey, play this, play 40. This will happen. That will happen. The fact that I look at message boards and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff, I'm already compiled and I see the questions, the concerns, and I try to make sure I address those questions and concerns accordingly so people could be at more ease or I could, you know, say, yo, what you said was actually right. Your concern is actually a true concern. So that's what we do. All right. So with that being said, Petty Hawk, you ready? I am always ready. Okay. I'm always ready. You ain't never got to ask me, am I ready, sir? So what you got for him today? What I got for him? <laughs> Where we just come from? ATL? Hot Atlanta? <laughs> Somebody from Hot Atlanta just dropped a, a new CD, as we old heads say. Young Jeezy and DJ Drama like back in the day. And you know how to play some Young Jeezy ATL style. We just won versus Georgia Tech, so let's play some 
Atlanta artists. Okay, so we're gonna start off with some Young Jeezy. Is that okay, Ball? Yo, you do what you do, man. You got three songs. Three songs. Don't try to play the whole songs. All of them, okay? So, at the 815 mark, here we go. Go ahead, Petty Hawk. Yeah. Make, make sure make sure you took out the cuss words, too. Hey, man, you going to talk all over my music. Don't be like DJ Drama is right now, talking all over Young Jeezy music. Don't talk over my music, bro. It's clean. And if it ain't clean, you going to clean it, okay? One way or the other. Came from in the mix with 36 pockets full with dirty kicks, weighing up the mouses. And I swear we had like 30 sticks, diamond in the rough. Yeah, you see that boy them glowed up. They say you lost your street cred. You tell them, go Yeah, came from blocks, huh? <laughs> I'm buying blocks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> see the blocks that is. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah I let they know. Sorry to say, man. So came from in the mix with 36 Pockets full with dirty kicks Weighing up the mouses And I swear we had like 30 sticks Diamond in the rough Yeah, you see that boy them glowed up They say you lost your street cred You tell them so Still smelling like a whole thing Drifting these designer suits Keep my foot on next While wearing these designer boots Came from being nasty But now I'm just a classic You ain't got ass Yeah, you know that I'm a nasty Dress me with some respect. You talking to an exec? Dap it with some cool water. I just done a temp check. What you expect? Ten years the same. The whole decade. And that'll be a shame, nigga. I ain't get these mansions with street cred. Get that Rolls Royce with no street cred. Ride with the horse with no street cred. 911 Porsche with no street cred. Oh, you get so you so you pumping that young Jeezy street cred, huh? I feel like I gotta watch you, Petty Hucker. Sometimes you got subliminals. You got something up your sleeve, man. What you got up next? Oh, ho, ho, ho. look at this song I got up next. We in Atlanta. You may, you know what? I'm gonna just play the song. Hold on, dog. No, no. Wait a minute. Why are you playing Pastor Troy right now, bro? You knew. Uh huh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get in your feelings, Boho. Get in your feelings. Tell the people about Pastor Troy. Tell them why you in your feelings right now. Because I played Pastor Troy. Tell them what happened. Tell them what happened. Huh? What happened when you ran to Pastor Troy in Atlanta, Ball Hawk? Tell them the story. I ain't telling them no, not telling them that story. This, this is we we recapping the game. We ain't telling stories of Ball Hawk outside the club. Oh, speaking of outside the club, I got a song for you, Ball Hawk. Yeah. Since you want to say outside the club, this, this what you felt like, Ball Hawk, when Pastor Troy bumped into you outside of Club One Twelve back in two thousand and one. 
Everybody, ladies and gentlemen, this is what Ball Hawk wanted to do to Pastor Troy when he bumped into him and disrespected Ball Hawk and outside of 112, right here. So I'm outside of the club, and he think I'm a ball. So I go to my heavy cherry and pop the troll. If that's what you told Pastor Troy Bog that you ain't never scared. <laughs> yes, you did. <sighs> oh my God, Bog, you ain't telling. I'm gonna tell the. I'm gonna tell the story for you, man. You ain't telling the story, man. No, I'm. T- I'm. I'm mute. Your- I'm gonna mute his mic. I'm telling the story, Bog. Sit your little sweet self over there. And let me tell. So I'm gonna set the scene for y'all. It's back in 2001. Y'all know Ball Hawk ain't get drafted, okay? He didn't get drafted 2001 draft, but he ended up with the Falcons with one of his best friends from Bad News, Virginia, Michael Vick. You know, the guy that went to Tech and stuff, that wore that number seven and all that left-handed dude that's real fast. So, set the scene. My Hawkins and Michael Vick are in 112. They're besties, bestest friends. We're friends, we're friends, we're brothers. We're friends. That's all they did. It was inseparable in Tech. They go out one night, not at Tech. Ooh, Ball Hawk, I know you about to come off mute. You didn't go to Tech. You went to UVA. But I'm still going to disrespect you because I'm in my bag of disrespecting right now. So I'm telling my story. So, again, I'm like Charlie Murphy was for Dave Chappelle. I'm telling the Prince story. You my Prince, Ball Hawk, so I'm going to tell the story. Here it is. Ball Hawk is in Club 112 with his friend Michael Vick. They having a good old time. <laughs> a great time. Well, they have a good time. They chill with all these big time celebrities because of Michael Vick. Ain't because of this undrafted free agent kid from UVA named Amon Hawkins. It ain't because of him. They there to see Mike. They don't even know who Hawk is. He ain't even ball Hawk then. He just Hawk. Okay. That's, we don't know who this guy is. They know Michael Vick. They kept looking at Hawk like, is this your brother? Is this Marcus? <laughs> Y'all do look alike though, Ball Hawk. Like for real, don't tell the people that they've said asked you if you was Michael Vick's brother, like little brother, and you older to him. But how? But you the little brother. But you was in the club as okay. I'm getting sidetracked. Okay, so come out the club, Ball Hawk walking out like he top flight security, like he day day from Friday at the next. You know, because he the little brother. Everybody want to talk to Michael Vick. They just like, hey, dude, go get the car. Ball Hawk got the keys to the car. So Ball Hawk going outside. He's standing outside. And uh, he like the third wheel. Everybody talking to Vick, and he's just standing there. He's chilling because he's trying to be cool, too. He really not cool. I'm the cool guy, Petty Hawk. Ball Hawk, he ain't cool. So as everybody's laughing and kicking and Ball Hawk start being himself, so the people that's with Vick like, oh, this dude's pretty funny, so we're going to include him, too. So now ball hawks a part of the circle he's you know getting some attention all of a sudden just this guy with his long goatee just burrows through ball hawk boom just hit him if you ever seen the scene from uh boys in the hood when the gangster walked through and hit ricky when he was eating his bag of doritos and ricky was like hey man say excuse me that was ball hawk ball hawk looked at pastor troy like hey man say excuse me Y'all can't hear him talking because I literally mute his mic. He is screaming right now, but I run this part of the show. So Pastor Troy is the gangster from Boys in the Hood and turns around and looks at Ball Hawk like, what? No, no, no. 
Let me let me let me set the scene for real. This is what Pastor Troy say. Uh-huh. Just like the song. So Ballhawk go. Ballhawk didn't know who Pastor Troy was because Ballhawk not from Atlanta. He from Virginia. We did. I didn't. I didn't know who Pastor Troy was either because you know I ain't from Virginia, uh, Atlanta either. But he got this belt on. So Ballhawk go. Dog, why you got that big belt on your shoulder? And everybody like, dog, you don't, everybody looks at Ballhawk like, yo, you don't know who that is. And Pastor Troy go, uh-huh, again. So Ballhawk being like the little, like, Napoleon complex small dude he is, Ballhawk ball his fist up like, so what's up then? And everybody like, whoa, wait a minute. That's just Pastor Troy. That's what he do. And Ballhawk was like, what'd that mean to me? I ain't from around her. He tried to talk like he was from, like, St. Louis, because he was listening to Nelly a lot back then. He talking about, I ain't from here. Nelly wasn't even out then, bro. You lying. Nelly wasn't out then? Not in 2001, I don't think. Well, well, okay, it made the story sound but Hey, yo, you need to hurry up, because we like 16 minutes in, and we ain't talked about no football. You not a good storyteller like Charlie Murphy was, God rest his soul, on the Dave Chappelle show. Okay? So for all the people, I'm going to just cut him off. No, you not cutting me off, punk. You should have, that's what he did to you. He cut you off and you allowed him to cut you. I ain't gonna allow you to cut me off just like I cut your mouth off. Just don't, don't, don't be don't talking to me like that. Long story short, Pastor Troy had his belt and was about to spank ball hawk like he, like he did bad in class that day. Spank, whoa. Spank me with a belt? What are we doing right now? Oh, heck no. You got to go. Hey, man, I'm just telling you. Did you get nervous when Pastor Troy bumped you? No, you just described it in my ball, my fist up because I got Napoleon complex. Oh, yeah, you right. So you really going to fight Pastor Troy? Dog, you know, back then I was a little like little nuts. Yeah, you was a little nuts. I wish you would get nuts every now and then currently because you just allow people to say anything to you. Like, why do you allow folks just to talk to you any type of way on social media and stuff? Because, bro, like. It's social media. Like, you just got to let it be. You can't, like, be ready to fight because somebody say something you don't like. Like, it is what it is. Nah, 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 ball hawk. What happens if you ever saw them people in person? You think you'd try to fight them like you was about to fight Pastor Troy? No. Well, can I fight them? No, because we the same people. If you throw a punch, I throw a punch. But you get in trouble, though, right? Petty Hawk wouldn't get in trouble. So my record be clean. But we both are due to time. Like, like, if I get fired or something, like, we both wouldn't have a job. No, you wouldn't have a job. I'm just all the ego. I'm always good. I'm always employed because I'm employed within you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully y'all fast forward that part of the show, the, the lead up. I mean, you probably had to listen to it because we, like, 19 minutes in. So let's get right to it. Man, I apologize for Petty Hall just taking over. So the University of Virginia Cavaliers defeated Georgia Tech by a score of Man, you ain't got the box score up? Man, I got it. There you go. Box score 16 to 9. It was 29,362 people at the game on a Thursday night. 29,362 people at Bobby Dodd slash Grant Field. (sighs) You done tired me out, Petty Hawk. Man, read the stats. All right, here we go. Stats for the game, UVA had 17 first downs. Georgia Tech's 13 first downs. UVA had 156 yards rushing to Georgia Tech's 56. Georgia Tech had 37 rushing attempts. UVA had 38 rushing attempts. 
Georgia Tech averaged 1.5 yards per attempt. Ooh, wait a minute, ball hall. Let me jump in here because you remember last game we averaged 0.6 a carry versus Louisville. We done returned the favor to, uh, to an ACC forward. They on home state 1.5. I weigh 1.5 ounces. I'm a bird. I'm light. Or 1.5 pounds. Whatever you want to do it. That 1.5 ain't good, ball hog. We uh, keep going. All right. UVA averaged 4.1 yards of rush. Um, UVA had 255 yards passing. Georgia Tech had 146. UVA had 35 pass attempts to Georgia Tech's 36 pass attempts. So UVA actually ran the ball more than they threw the ball, 38 rush attempts to 35 passing attempts. UVA averaged 12.8 yards per completion, 7.3 yards per attempt. Georgia Tech averaged 9.1 yards per completion and 4.1 yards per attempt. Total yards, UVA had 411 total yards. Georgia Tech had 202. Both teams ran 73 plays. UVA averaged 5.6 yards per play. Georgia Tech averaged 2.8 yards per play. UVA had 10 penalties for 92 yards. Georgia Tech had 7 penalties for 56 yards. UVA had six punts for 215 yards. Georgia Tech had 10 punts for 430 yards. Time of possession, UVA won that 31 minutes, 48 seconds to 28 minutes and 12 seconds. UVA was 2 of 14 on third down. UVA is one of the worst third down teams in Power 5. I'm going to just throw that out there. But I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with y'all, like one of the worst. When we play a power five team, we've been one of the worst. Two of 14, we continued that trend. Georgia Tech was six of 21. UVA was one of three on third down. Georgia Tech was 0 and 1. UVA, UVA had eight sacks as a team. Georgia Tech did not get a single sack on Brendan Armstrong. Speaking of sacks, let's go to defensive individual statistics. Nick Jackson led the way with that. One um, banged up knee. He still had eight tackles, two sacks, two tackle for a loss, and a fumble recovery. Salute to Nick Jackson returning back to the A. Another guy returning back to the A is my man Chico Bennett Jr. Seven tackles, two sacks, two tackles for a loss. And that's at the line of scrimmage at DN. So he was super active playing against his former team. Aaron Famui has six tackles, a half a sack for a loss, and a half a tackle for a loss. James Jackson. Hey, man, matter of fact, clap it up for James Jackson, man. Y'all remember the first game of the season when he started and everybody was on his head top about how he looked like a fish out of water playing out of position. Well, Ahern was out. James Jackson was right back in that same position again. And uh, well, Ahern had to miss the first half of the game. And, and James Jackson started. That was versus uh, Richmond. James Jackson looks that's the that's the dude we know. He was active, man. Sideline to sideline, showing that closing speed. He had six tackles. Cohen King, five tackles, had his first career interception. Salute to Cohen King. Jonas Sanker, five tackles, two pass breakups. That young man is a player, man. I can't say enough about just his development at the safety position and the bright future he has ahead of him, man. Like when he's on the field, he makes a huge difference back there. Uh, Cameron Butler, five tackles, a half a tackle. I mean, a half a sack and a half a tackle for a loss. 
Cam is super active at the defensive line. Um, he's been playing very well. Um, Paul Ake, um, I just skipped Antonio Clare. Antonio Clare got four tackles. Um, Paul Akir. I always get I always say Paul name wrong, so I always call him PA. So PA had four tackles. Damn, PA had two sacks also. Okay, PA, two tackles, two sacks. Okay, okay, two tackles for losses. I mean, my man Gucci Man, three tackles, two pass breakups. Um, OA had two tackles and a tackle for a loss. Michael Diada had two tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss. Hey, man, that young man right there played. Yeah, buddy. Hey, yo, Mike. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I was impressed by you, Mike. I ain't even going to lie. Just your ability to get skinny and uh, split two uh, offensive linemen trying to tandem block you and, and causing havoc in the backfield. Yeah, buddy. I'm liking, I'm liking the rotation that I see defensively, uh, getting guys those much-needed game reps and then those players actually responding to those game reps. So I like that from the defensive side, the, the luxury of being able to rotate guys and keep them fresh and not have a lot of drop-off as far as the performance and what's being asked of them and the ability to run the defensive scheme no matter who's in there. That says a lot to the coaching staff and the time of work that they put in, and it gives these players their flowers for being able to uh, attain, retain the information and translate it onto the playing field when the lights are on. So salute to those guys up front, man, because they've been doing a phenomenal job. Even games where we may have given up yards, you still see that we could get home with four. And I'm going to get into this on the defensive uh, analysis part, so let me not get ahead of myself. Um, Fentrell, two tackles. He had two pass breakups. Uh, one of his pass breakups actually led to uh, Cohen King's interception. The juggernaut, Jameer Carter. Look, man, he's not going to have stats that wow you, but that, that kid is – like, they got to double him. He's strong as an ox. Um, he had two tackles. Ronnie Walker had a body slam on special teams. <laughs> Good God. I thought they was going to throw a flag on him for how violent that body slam was. I mean, it's still football, but you know how it is these days, man. They throw a flag for anything. Like, for leaping, they throw a flag. Uh, ben Smiley third had a tackle, and then Stevie Bracey had uh, one tackle. Salute to Stevie. Um, so, there you have it. Uh, I do want to shout out Georgia Tech's, like, Swiss Army knife on defense, Charlie Thomas. He had nine tackles, two tackles for a loss. I was impressed by that kid, man. That kid can play. I told y'all that on my keys to the game. Just, I mean, oh no, that was on my WINA that I thought with the um, Cavalier countdown, I thought that he's a special player because even though they run a 4 2 5, he's one of the linebackers, but he's built like a safety. But he plays like a linebacker. I mean, he's like, he's only like 210 pounds, I want to say. And he looks like slimmer than that during the actual game. Um, offensive individuals, Brendan Armstrong led the way in rushing. 13 rushes, 91 yards, and a touchdown along a 43. Xavier Brown, he ran the ball hard, 12 rushes, 45 yards. Average 3.8 yards per carry. Paris Jones, 10 carries for 17 yards. Average 1.7 yards a rush. And then Keaton had one carry for five yards. Um it's amazing how our rotation is at running back. Like, you can just tell that the coaches really pay attention to how guys are hitting the hole. And Mike Hollins wasn't available for all the folks that's probably asking. Um, don't know why, but he just wasn't there. And those two guys played. 
because I know y'all asking, <laughs> like asking right now, like, what do you mean he wasn't available? Oh, he wasn't there. Um, but yeah, man, just look like, um, you know, working the sideline this game and, you know, being a part of the broadcast, uh, Tony Covington was making an excellent point when it came to Paris, just about, it seemed like he just wasn't picking his feet up as he normally would. It was holes there. Um, and he was getting like kind of shoestring tackle when he usually runs through those, um, arm tackles and then when you put Xavier in it was just a total different speed in which he was hitting the hole and and running more violent so even though it was 12 attempts to 10 Xavier when it came to we call it nut cutting time excuse my language um Xavier was in there to get those carries so and I like that we was throwing those swing passes to him I don't want to get too ahead to the offense analytical part but I'm gonna do the well let me see I'm gonna do the defense Part first, and then I'm going go offense. Um, receiving wise, Keaton was targeted ten times, seven catches, eighty nine yards. Uh, Dontavian was targeted seven times, four catches, ninety nine yards, and a touchdown. Grant was targeted four times, four catches, twenty eight yards. Xavier Brown was targeted five times, had four catches for just eight yards. Uh, Lavelle Davis was targeted three times, had one catch for thirty one yards. Billy Kent was targeted three times, but didn't register a catch. The Meek Starling was targeted one time with no catch. Sean Wilson one time, no catch. And Sackett Woods was targeted one time without a catch. Um, Daniel Sparks, like I said, many times that we punted, he's a weapon. He had three punts inside the 20-yard line. He's a weapon. Billy Kemp had four punt returns for 46 yards. That's a first down. He averaged an uh, additional first down for our offense. Kickoff return is the first play of offense and if you could get a guy that could get you 10 yards on a punt return that's what they need that's a jump start to the offense and that longer 22 that he had is just what we needed you know um earlier he was fair catching it because we was coming out so Georgia Tech was a team that had four blunts block we actually blocked one of the punts but it still went forward Chalmers actually got his hands on one of the blocks and it bounced like 40 yards down the day on field only versus UVA to something like that happen but uh, we was really coming out to their, you know, punt unit. Because, again, already this season they've had four punts blocked. And, ironically, we get our block, our punt blocked. Ain't that some mess? Only UVA. So that's why a lot of times you saw Billy very catching it quick because we had blocks on. Then we realized, you know what, this kid is really booming it. Because since they were so worried about holding us up, we realized we was getting a good hold to where Billy had space to make a play. And that's when you started seeing him being allowed to return the ball. So um, when you saw Billy Fair catch catching it, I'm pretty sure he was told because he was throwing up the fair catch quick. So, yeah. So, all right, here we go. At the 31 minute, well, no, I still got to do some some game notes. So let me do some game. We ain't going to do the timestamp just yet. The game notes, uh, let's see. The Cavaliers picked up their first win at Bobby Dodd Stadium since 2008. UVA has won four of the last five games against the Yellow Jackets. Uh, let's see another fun stat. Virginia picked up its first road win of the season, the first victory away from Charlottesville since winning at Louisville October 9th, 2021. Woo, that's crazy. But that's a span of five games. Um, the Cavaliers accumulated eight sacks, the second most ever in a game in program history and the most since setting the school record with nine against Duke in 2006. UVA has recorded eight sacks in the game four times, most recently in 1996 against Wake Forest. 
The ASACs are the most by an ACC team this season. Including UVA, only seven schools in the country have recorded eight or more sacks in a game this season. UVA defense did not allow a first down in the third quarter and held Georgia Tech to 14 total yards in the third quarter on four drives, all three and outs. It forced the Yellow Jackets to go three and out on its first six possessions of the second half. Again, UVA forced Georgia Tech to go three and out on its first six possessions of the second half. You talk about making adjustments. <laughs> Man. The Georgia Tech offense did not score in the second half. The first time a UVA opponent was held scoreless in the second half since they blanked Duke in the final 30 minutes last season. You know, we shut them out last year. Uh, I talked about the block punt that we had, and UVA held the Yellow Jackets to 202 yards of total offense, the fewest in the game since 183 we had versus Wilmer Murray last year. And this was the fewest since – Fewest ACC foe since 2013 versus Pitt when we held them to 199. Some player notes. Uh, if you don't know, Brendan Armstrong threw his 57th touchdown pass of his career, breaking the record of Matt Schaub, who had 56 touchdowns from 2000 to 2003. Uh, both Schaub and Armstrong broke the UVA career touchdown record in their 38th game. Schaub broke Sean Moore's then record of 56 with the 52-yard strike to Heath Miller in the 2003 Continental Tired Bowl game against Pitt. And that's that's what I got, man. Oh, Nick Jackson moved up 14 plates all-time on UVA's all-time career tackles list and now has 324 in his four seasons as a Cavalier. Chico Bennett had his first multi-sack outing of his career and he leads the team with six sacks on the season. All right, so let's go right into defense, man. We talked about that <clears throat> phenomenal third quarter that the Cavs defense had, which is something that was just a masterpiece. I mean, the first six possessions coming out of halftime, you forced three and outs. That right there, what's the what's the time step? 34 minutes. All right. That, that, that right there, man, I just want to give, like – Coach Rudd is flowers because, look, people always say as bad as we were last year, couldn't get any worse. Yes, it could. It could have damn sure stayed the same. So I like to always make sure that I never take away from the improvements that not only has his defensive scheme displayed and his assistants carrying out that scheme and teaching that scheme, but the players in which they retain the information and translate it onto the playing field. Like, that – that should be praised no matter what because it may not be be able to get worse, but it could have been the exact damn same. It could have been bad. You know what I'm saying? So I always want to make sure that I show praise to a coach that's come in and identified weaknesses and players and always playing to their strength and doing his due diligence to watch film and, and stay a step ahead and understand <clears throat> I can't stop everything and I'm just going against what this like whatever this offense does well I want to take that away from them and if they counter that and show me that they can do something else and still perform at a high level you tip your hat at them and he's always looking for ways to get better he's never complacent and um, anytime I do a post game interview with him 
he's always looking for ways to improve. You know, he's he's praising his players. Um, he's a stoic guy. And um, it's really been a joy to see how these guys praise his approach to the game. You know, talking to Nick Jackson post-game, just saying, like, how much film coach is taking in and how he can just get a feel for the game, how they're performing it and what, what, what he wants to call and how it's being called to their strengths, you know, like looking at this game. So I know Georgia tech starter goes out. I know Sims goes out. He was banged up. He was playing with a hurt wheel. We understood he had a hurt wheel. So we say, you know what? We're going to send some pressure at him, but we're going to run some stunts. We're going to run some stunts get his eyes to kind of look at the rush, understand that I think it's his back leg that was bothering him, so that's his plant foot, so he may not be able to get a lot of zip on the ball. So what we're going to do, we're going to play some zone. We're going to make him have to really bear down and drive the football versus out trying to just play a lot of man, and the throws can be a little easier. So we play some combos, short zones, we roll guys up, reroute them, run some games, so now we got to kind of see where his eyes are at, kind of move him off a spot, but still trying to trap him, see if he can make those throws, see if he if we push him to his left, can he run out the pocket? And you notice that first first series, we push him out the pocket to his left. He tried to throw a ball up the sideline. AJ did a good job of breaking that up. The one time he got out the box, we let him get out the box to a strong side. And even then, um, credit to Sims, he's not a guy that's just going to tuck and run. He's always going to try to look down the field and make a play. Uh, but even with that being said, we kept running our games with the four guys linemen. So when I say run games, we run some stunts. Where we bring loop the D in, they come inside a defensive tackle, and the defensive tackle crosses the face of defense end, and he replaces them on the outside C gap. So they, they change responsibilities. It gets T, the linemen to try to start passing guys off. So we did that the first series, so we passing guys off, passing guys off, or the first couple plays. And then you see, we show that we'll allow Nick Jackson to cover the slot. So that's like we setting them up. We got Nick bumped out on slots. We're running a game with four guys. Third down, what do we do? We got Nick Jackson to the field on a slot. Snap the ball. Boom, we run our game. But now we trigger Nick from over the slot. The lineman don't even see Nick. He came, un- he came free. Even the quarterback didn't even see Nick. Because we were running that four-man game. So they got comfortable. And that was just Coach Rudd's way of saying, hmm, I done lulled you to sleep. Basically, I done got you comfortable of us with us running this four-man game that you feel like you could pick it up now. Now I'm going to send the extra guy. So we send Nick. We get a sack. We trigger Nick again. But instead of running a game on both sides, we just allow Chico Bennett to come run the hoop from the boundary, and we started getting pressure like that. And to credit to Chico, man, Chico's been winning his winning his one-on-one matchups a lot. Not only winning his one-on-one matchups, but he's compressing the lane, not getting up the field so much that the tackle could just push him up the field. Now the quarterback um, basically break, breaks containment by stepping up in that seat gap. So a lot of times we will, and I'm using air quotation, we will lose containment by how we rush. It's too wide enough to field, so it creates escape way for the quarterback um secondary wise i put in my note the very first play of the game georgia tech ran a, a wide receiver screen to the field and their safety i mean one of their receivers number seven 
gets the best of Fentrell, like pancakes him, right? Like, boom, hits him, pan, and Fentrell falls to the ground. Number seven stands over top of Fentrell and then just dives down face first and spears him in the chest. Boom. And I'm like, damn, that's not a flag. And then I'm looking at Fentrell like, man, if you don't, like, that's my Napoleon complex. Like, if you don't go punch him in the face, like, I would have been ready to fight. Like, he hit Fentrell, basically depleted Fentrell, head on head, block, knocked him on his butt. Fentrell fell to his back, and he stands over Fentrell, then dives straight down on him. Like, he was, like, doing a body, uh, like, you know, when you jump off the top rope, like, and body splash him. Like, he just hit him with his face right to the Fentrell's chest. Boom. I'm like, damn, that's not a flag. So, Fentrell gets up in his own way. You know, not falling into the second man, you know, because Fentrell would have got up and pushed and smacked this, the guy. Like I said, he would have got a flag. It would have been, you know, I suppose some like conduct. It has been where's the discipline. We got to stop doing this. So Fentrell didn't do it. Very next play, they run the screen to number seven to the opposite side. Fentrell flips with them and goes to the field. Number seven catches this quick screen. Cuts inside, the guy tries to block Fentrell. Fentrell throws the other receiver off and puts his face right in number seven chest. Boom! Basically hits him the same way legally and gets right on up. And use number seven to get up. Basically like, huh, I got you back. Basically, I'm going to get my revenge in between the whistles. That showed me right there that, you know, when Coach Elliott talks about we're not about the fighting and stuff, you know, get him when it's legal. Get him when... You're doing your job. Fentrell showed that. Because I would have been pissed, bro. Like, I would have got up and pushed and fight and show I ain't no punk. And everybody, oh, he got that dog. I would have got a flag. But I'm glad that Fentrell showed him. Like, all right, dog, you might got me right there. Yeah, you did some dirty stuff, in my opinion. But I'm going to get you when you get the rock. Next time we strap up, I'm going to get you. And he got, buddy. The next play. Um, Fentrell was playing at a very high level, man. Um, They ran a short post. To the same number seven on that first scoring threat when he broke the pass up and Cohen King got the interception. That was like poetic justice again. The same dude who took a cheap shot on you. You put your face in his chest and dumped him to the ground when he caught his first ball. And then when he thought he had a touchdown, lo and behold, 23 got the last laugh, broke up the play. And Cohen King got the interception. Um, Gucci man Cause I'm telling you These dudes playing like bookends Like Gucci man Only thing I can say about Gucci man That I want him to improve on Is when he playing short zone And he's going into the dead area Make sure you take away the corner first I know you want to bait sometimes But sometimes Bait them by making them check down Cause sometimes even when you Take away the deep Some quarterbacks think They can make that throw anyway And I say that I'm saying this because The last drive they're going into halftime they ran that little throwback, and I saw the the running back coming out the backfield like he's going to run the wheel, and they had the, the the slot receiver to the far side come all the way across on the post route. I know that Gucci saw him coming, but he baited at the wrong depth. I, I really felt like he should have kept sinking while baiting him. He bait, he stopped, and then he tried to burst once the ball was thrown, and the quarterback made a great throw to the sideline because of his break. I really felt like if he would have – got a little bit more depth initially, I really felt like the quarterback would have threw it anyway because he felt like he could get it over his head by throwing it to the sideline. Um, so that's my only thing. I want to see him play short zone a little better by sinking 
and take away those sell routes or those over routes because a lot of teams are going to start doing that versus us. Because um, I, I think the linebacker, James Jackson, would have came down if he would have threw it to the back. And we would have gave that up because it would have been a shorter throw. But in that situation, you got to understand situation of football right there, Gucci, like you got to take that one away. We don't we won't even want you to bait right there. We just want you to get back there. Because I really feel like even if you take that away now, he would have took so long to identify the back and then made a nice little easy throw that you would have came, you and James would have came down here. It probably been like a five-yard game, seven at the most. Uh, that's my only thing with Gucci, man. But other than that, Gucci plays hard. Did he get away with one pass interference on a deep ball? I think he did, but the ball was underthrown, and he did a good job of once he got to the near side hip, he looked back, and that's why they didn't throw the flag right there. And these refs was letting guys play because I could tell you the offensive side of the ball, they interfered on Keaton a couple of times, and one of them caused a pick, and – they were just letting guys play. But I say that to say then the one receiver pulls Cohen King's face mask and he falls into the dang on receiver and they call interference and they say offsetting. How is a <laughs> – if you face mask me first and pull me into you and then I collide you, how is that offsetting penalties? That's what I want to know. How? I mean, when you're conversing, we say, okay, which one happened first? Well, the receiver grabbed Cohen's – he grabbed the DB's face mask and pulled them, but he then he then he interfered. Uh, well, cause and effect. The cause was the grabbing of the face mask. The effect was Cohen interfered later interfered after that because he was pulled off balance. So I don't know, man. But defense, y'all did a good job. The fact that you could get home with four guys is is, is good money, very good money. So. I mean, I think you guys did a su- superb job. Did a phenomenal job, man. Late in the game, I know they started playing hurry up, and it looked like they was getting some success. And people was like, oh, where's the pass rush now? Anytime teams need to play late in the game, bro, it always seems like the pass rush ain't getting there no more because you only send the four and you playing soft zone. You're not going to be as aggressive because you don't want to give up anything deep. So a lot of people always say, oh, why you play prevent? Because you be damned you, you still play aggressive and you give up a D pass. What's the first thing a fan going to say? You know they're going to go deep. Why would you play aggressive? Keep everything in front. That's what they do. The The, the biggest issue with prevent defense is you got to come up and tackle. That's the only issue when you play prevent defense is missing tackles, being lazy, taking the wrong angles. That's my biggest right when you play prevent. You p- still play aggressive, but you understand I take away deep to short. And when we rally to the football, it's appropriate shoulder football, meaning keep the ball on the appropriate shoulder, trap them, trap the mouse, and tackle, gain tackle. So that's all I got to say about the defense, man. So now offensively, I want to say, look, (sighs) offensively, it's like you see the signs of greatness, but the consistency, the consistency does not allow you to be great. It's the lack of consistency. You know what I'm saying? Like offensive line, as far as getting the push, staying low, and being able to run the football, if you can't do that consistently, you're not going to be a great offense. I will say this. Pass pro, offensive line, very good job this game. Very good job. Not just because you didn't give up a sack, but because 
Brennan had clean pockets. First of all, Georgia Tech was making sure we didn't run the football. If you look at Georgia Tech's wins or losses, teams that ran the football against them beat them. The issue was never defending the pass. That issue was defending the run. And there, and the reason why they were winning these past two games is because they made sure teams didn't run the football versus them. Because they feel like with their two six three corners, they can cover a lot of guys. So their object was the objective was limit the running game. So if we show any type of running formation or we get any type of run look, they were shooting gaps. Credit to them. I mean, anytime we try to run our inside dive, inside zones, they were there. They were mauling us. Anytime we ran our outside zones, outside counters, we did a good job of getting to the edge and making plays. I will give Coach Kitchens credit for this that a lot of people's not going to really pay attention to and see. He was setting a lot of things up. A lot of things were looking the same. Our run, we had a run play, then we had a boot off the same run action. And not only did we have a, a counter to that same counter run action, we had a we could take a shallow shot off that play and we could take a deep shot off that play. And it was the same exact thing. We run the same play out of two and three different formations. I will say that about Coach Kitchens. We started setting a lot of things up. Even when it was a run for no gain, that run for no gain was a setup. It was just a setup. I'm going to keep you honest. I'm going to set you up. Brendan Armstrong, let me say something about Brendan. Brendan came from an open air raid offense to where all you had to do is basically look to a guy because you know he's going to be open pre-snap. It wasn't a lot of progression in the air raid. It was pre-snap, I know where I'm going to go. Just look at it like if you don't think if you think I'm lying, look at Taysom Hill at, at, at BYU. Did he go really throw go through progressions? Look at the current quarterback of Syracuse. Go look at him. Go look at him. Especially when he played us. He ain't go through too many progressions because it's predetermined pre-snap. Where you gonna go in that offense? Now you you gotta check down your go-to, but it ain't like a pro style where you go, I'm gonna go dig, I'm gonna go post. Well, hold on. Post, dig. Mess route. Now I got the check down over here. That ain't the same thing. So I've been seeing a lot of people saying, Brendan is locking on to guys. Here's what I want to say to you. If you said that after this game, you weren't watching this game. You really wasn't. Or you just listening. Like commentators. So here's here's the great thing about being a color commentator like myself or a sideline reporter like myself or just an analyst like myself when you're looking at the games, right, you see the quarterback's head. The best quarterbacks, Ron Jaworski used to say this all the time, a quarterback can manipulate the safety with his head, right, or with his eyes. A lot of times these quarterbacks these days wear visors, or a lot of times these quarterbacks wear these uh, face masks with a low bar. You can't really see their eyes, so you're really trying to read their chin. Brennan does a great job of keeping his chin at the middle. Like, he has to feel with his chin. That way he can use the peripheral. I'm using my peripheral right now when I talk to y'all. He can use the peripheral from right to left, but he can keep his chin straight down the field. So a safety can't get a read on where he's going. Now, now the read is going to be once he points his shoulder. But by then it's too late because his arm is strong enough to where he can put it on a rope. He has that luxury of having a strong arm where he can put a lot of zip behind the football. So anytime somebody say, hey, Brennan's looking, he's only looking at one spot. Okay, granted, I'm going to say you're right, okay? So say if Brennan's looking at the right side of the field, but he got three damn receivers over there. So you're saying, oh, he's only looking at Wicks. No, he's not. He's looking at the two other guys that's in the same area as Wicks. So if Wicks is running a go route, and then you got an out route, 
and then you got an arrow route. We call that a flood, right? So number one runs a goal route. Then KT is the number two guy. You run a 10-yard out. Then you got Grant Mesh or Sackett Wood, the tight end or the H-back, running a two-yard angle route out. So if he if he has three receivers going to that area of the field, guess what his eyes are going to look like he's doing? Looking in one spot. Why? It's three guys going to the one spot. So, of course, he's looking, he's looking at one receiver because all you see is him throwing it. Make, so what we see is the decision he makes. He could be looking at KT the whole time. And then he threw it to Wicks anyway. And KT could pop open after he throws the ball to Wicks because the defender sees that the ball is going deep and he takes off. So a lot of times we see the reaction of a defensive back. And be like, oh, he should have threw it to that guy. He was actually covered before he threw the damn ball. But I say that to say this. So when I saw a lot of people say Brendan locks on to one receiver, he's not going through his progression. I made it a point to watch the end zone copy of this game. And there's plenty of plays in my notes to which Brennan Armstrong goes from read number one, read number two, to read number three, slide, go to back to read number one. He did it in a lot. He showed great pocket mobility, climbing a ladder, come, like not trying to get outside, but stepping up, sliding. Like he went from right, left, middle of the field, back to the right. Like the late pass he had to Billy. And we talked off the air, and I ain't going to tell you everything he told me, but he took responsibility for it. But when he told me about that play, because I was like, there was the first one to Billy, Billy Kemp, the one where he led him too much and he and Billy was wide open. The kid, like, again, I ain't going to tell you what he told me, but I could just give you this. The fact that he felt safe enough with me to tell me his progressions, and when he broke down his progressions and all that he went through before he realized that Billy was there, I was like, yo, this kid really is going, like, he's going, like, it blew me away. Like, man, I wish the fans could hear this because nobody would ever say that he just locks on to one guy. And I asked him about four different throws. I asked him about the throw to Wicks. So, the, so, what play was that? I got it written down. Let me find it. Okay, play, so play 35 on on my cut-up that I have. It may not be the third, 30 foot play of the game. But y'all remember the deep ball Wicks caught on the near sideline. Um, it was at this touchdown pass. It was just after he had dropped that comeback. So Wicks had a over route, like a little, I call mess routes just a little drag route from the field to the boundary, right? Okay. So when you have a little drag, if you notice that the safety has shot down into the buzz area, meaning he's like seven to eight yards and he's in your path, the fact that you have a clear out on the boundary, if you and the quarterback on the same page, you glance back at the quarterback to see if he still has the ball. If the quarterback still has the ball, the quarterback has a signal to let you know you are now free to go over top of the safety. So Wicks is running his drag. He sees number 20. The safety comes down in his path. Wicks gives a little move. He looks back at B.A. B.A. gives him a little nod because I was on the sideline. They're coming towards me. I see B.A. chin go up. Let B.A. It lets Wicks know. Take the high. Wicks took that as soon as Wicks put his foot into the ground to avoid the contact with the safety and went high. B.A. let the ball go. And Wicks made a great over the shoulder catch right in front of the sideline. I wish he could have kept his balance, but he caught a nice fingertip catch on a nice fingertip catch. He looked the ball in, rolled forward. It was a huge game. 
But B.A. actually had to look at number one. Like, so for people that think he don't go through his progression, it was a play-action boot. He going to the boundary. B.A., look, he's looking at the clear out because that's the first read, number one. Because since the safety came down, it's one safety high. So he looks at the, the go route, which was Lavelle, I believe. He looks at Lavelle. Then he reads to see where the number two sa- where the single safety is at. Whoa, single safety went with Lavelle also. So what does he have to do? He had to find number 20. He saw where 20 was at. He looked at Wicks. They made eye contact. He lifted his chin up. Pat the ball, threw it over 20 to the sideline to Wicks. So for the folks who say he lock in on one guy, I'm just like, that's false. He's going through progressions. This, the offense call, like, calls for him to see the game differently as a pro. And it's not a knock on the air raid. The air raid, you can put up great numbers. Like, you could put up a lot of numbers in college, but at the end of the day, foundation. Like, do you have a foundation? We see a lot of quarterbacks go from college to the pros, right? They have all these gaudy numbers, and they really can't – they can read a defense, but they really can't process the defense. Can you process the information fast enough? So when people say a quarterback can't read a defense – they actually can read it. They just can't read it fast, as fast as you want. They can't process. They can't anticipate. That's what they really can't do. The anticipation attribute is low. They can read a defense. They can tell you, oh, it was one safety high. They had an overhang. He came. He took the bang eight. I should have went to the dig on the outside. I should have pumped to the bang eight, came right to the to the dig, put it on the numbers, at the edge of the numbers coming in so the – Receiver has enough room just in case the strong comes off that bang eight and goes to the dig. That, that's what they're processing in their head. Quarterbacks see what levers a, a, a corner is playing. Is he outside? Is he inside? What's the route we running? Now, I will say this. His first interception, he threw the key time. Perfect read. Perfect route combination. The DB got there a little early. You know what I'm saying? He did a little pull through. He pulled the the hip with his left hand to try to deflect the ball. So what you do as a DB, you put your hand on the hip. You are allowed to put your hand on the hip of the receiver as long as you don't impede and move their body. Like you could touch the hip, but you can't pull it because you pull the hip and you see the shoulder whip. Well, you see Keaton's shoulder whip. As soon as he put his hand on Keaton's hip, he pulled through so he could shoot his hand inside to try to deflect the ball. B.A. threw a nice ball high and away. From the nickel, KT ran a good route, a little quick looky route, and went off his hands. That was an interception. Should have been an interference because you see the hand on the hip caused KT whole body to shift. So I felt like that should have been an interference. The second interception, that's on a receiver. To me, you're the fastest guy on the field. I was taught this at a, at a young age. Like, we're going to take our shots. If we take, if we're gonna take our shots and we're gonna throw our ball to you, we show them we trust you. You didn't get the cleanest, like you got a clean release to me. You got to stack them. You got to get on top of them. You just can't run beside them and try to outrun them. You got to cut them off. If once you stack them, you make them slow down. Now you have the right of passage for the football, or he got to run through you. You didn't stack them. He stayed inside you. Credit to him for being step for step with you. Somewhat was the ball underthrown? Yes. But with the ball being underthrown, you have to now become the defensive back. You have to compete for the football. You can't allow him to have the football. You have to break that up, Demi. You have to. No, it wasn't a great throw. 
It was underthrown. Yes, it could have been thrown better, but he trusts you in that situation. He still threw it. Because he wanted to take a shot for you. You got to compete and break that up. You can't allow that. Speaking for somebody who's broken up passes and who acts my, my rookie year in arena football for uh, Colorado Crest. I never forget it. I ran the go route versus Kevin Gaines, who was a big, who was a big corner, got on top of him. John Dutton underthrew me. I was like, well, it ain't my fault. He underthrew him. Boom. He got the interception. I come to the sideline. Andre Cooper come to me and said, what the F you doing, Hawk? You got to break that up. Pull him down. Get an offensive flag. I was like, but he underthrew it. It don't matter. He trusts you. He threw it to you. Don't let nobody get no pick. Break it up. And being a former defensive back, anytime I have somebody blanket it and I try to go for a pick, they would grab me. And I would earn my picks because they would they would do what they want. No, they trying to make sure you don't pick it. So he'll learn. D'Amico learn. But offensively, I love that we were running boots. I love that we were utilizing play action. I love that we were utilizing movement, pre-snap uh, motions, um, the little, you know, the, the counter motion, the, the, the counter action that we was using when was play action and having KT come underneath the, the formation to the opposite side, getting lost in a wash and using him to pull guys up and then having another drag over top. I like that we were bringing receivers across the, across the ball so B.A. can read different levels simultaneously when that, without having to make his head go from right to left like everybody wants. If you're running routes in towards his peripheral vision, think about what that feels like for linebackers. They don't know who to choose. I think I really think that Coach Kitchen is really learning what B.A. does very well, and he's a playmaker. His long run was a bootleg, and B.A. understood. It's greener passes. I could beat this one dude off the play-action boot. He faked like he was throwing to the little flat and took off, being B.A. So the more and more we could get him out the pocket, and move the pocket around. It's helping our offensive linemen. It's making defensive ends, being educated in their rush. It's not allowing D tackles to just fire off. It's making linebackers move and adjust and get off spots. And that's what you want. We still have some drops. Lavelle had a drop on a, a touchdown drop. Uh, Wicks had a drop on a comeback that he just didn't look it all the way in. Very good route. Very good ball on the run. BA's ball that he threw to Wicks on the run on that comeback. And then that touchdown that, that should have been touchdown pass to Lavelle that would have put the game away. That was a dart on the run. So for a lot of folks that's coming at B.A. saying he's not this, he's not that, and you're seeing the situation that's happened in Miami, situation that's happened in Clemson where the starter's getting pulled. Let me tell you this, 40-something-plus drops, and this is not a knock on receivers or or anybody. But if you got, like, this is, and, and I started off this show, and, and Petty Hawk got on me about narratives. If B.A., say if we have 20 drops, not 40, but if we got 20 drops, the narrative's different for B.A. Because if you got 20 drops, half of those are probably, some of those would be touchdown catches. So if you just take away the drop to Lavelle this game, that's a, another touchdown. Like, some people look at box scores. Some people look at completion percentages, right? So completion percentages and box scores are saying, yo, B.A., you're not playing. Like, like nothing to ever get him close to last year. But I'm just saying, if you if you just look at, some of the key drops that we had and just make a wish and all the key drops were now completions, you're going to view him differently. You're going to view this offense differently. The team still has some stupid penalties and things like that. But we know when and has you viewing a team a little bit differently, just a little bit. 
maybe not our fan base. Like, we won this game. People like, oh, it was ugly. Like, think about this, man. We threw two picks, had a fumble, had a block punt. So that's four turnovers. I think we caused a fumble. We caused a fumble, had one pick. So they won the turnover battle. Think about this. We lost the turnover battle. We had eight sacks. So you look at Syracuse. We turned them over, what, four times? They hadn't turned the ball over at all and had four sacks or something like that. Illinois games, you look at how we turned, made them turn the ball over, got in the backfield. What I'm trying to tell y'all is I wonder if they felt like, yeah, we won, but it was ugly. Because I know when I left Syracuse, all I saw was 4-0 from their fans. They weren't saying, oh, you struggled. Oh, we struggled against Virginia. Oh, we did all it. Oh, we turned the ball over. No, they was like, no, we 4-0. I guess I'm saying that to say, yo, can we take what we could get? Like, dude, we, we had lost three straight. We won. And when we win, folks are like, well, we still doing this. We can doll. Nah. Understand, we just stopped the loser streak. Take the damn win. You won in spite of. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We won in spite of. Why are we always so negative Nancy's all the time? Like, you won. On the road, take what you could get. We still got to learn how to win. Yes, I understand that. It's a new regime. And Coach Coach Tony Tony Elliott said the same thing. We got to get out of our own way. We identified that. But that's not going to take away the joy that we damn won. We can still celebrate that we won. This team just beat Duke and Pitt by being very opportunistic. Turning people over, they won. They turned us over and they lost. Huh? This team just beat Pitt and Duke. Duke beat us handily. They beat Duke. Then we beat them. Duke just blew out Miami. And we play Miami next. And I bet you all we're going to worry about is how we turn the ball over. And you know what they fan base probably going to say? Oh, we'll beat Virginia. They ain't going to talk about their turnovers. They're going to say, oh, we're going to beat them. How come we can't ever just be like we're going to beat somebody? Why are we always so nervous and, and scared? Got to stop being so nervous, man. You got to lace them up, man. You got to have some confidence. I'm always confident. <laughs> I've been in locker room when we down 29-7, whatever it was. I ain't think for no reason we won't go win. I never think we're going to lose. Never. No matter what. As long as we still got time playing. What? Please. Let's go. Strap them up. Let's get it. Yeah, they may drop some passes, but damn it, I still want three on my team. I still want 99 on my team. I still want one on my team. I still want four on my team. I still want five throwing a rock. I still want him at quarterback. You crazy? Whatever. Say what you want. Five, my guy. Congratulations to you, man. Pantheon of quarterbacks here at this great university. Brendan Armstrong. Legendary. You got some folks who just want to give up on them. Man, you got to understand football. You got to understand process. You got to understand transition. Like, it takes time. I know everybody looking at what's going on in Syracuse. Do y'all realize Syracuse is trash can juice? They went through years of trash can juice. And y'all talking about what Syracuse is winning. Oh, whip the freak. Good job for them. They've been trash can juice for how many years with Babers? Okay. <laughs> okay. I get it. I don't know, man. That's all I had to say, man. Appreciate y'all, man. That's all I got to break down. Offensively, I feel like we're still getting better. It's just got to eliminate, uh, you know, crazy penalties like hitting guys in the back. Um, getting chippy, you know. Sometimes it gets chippy. I know linemen. You know, they always. I was always told, don't stand around a pile because somebody gonna let light you up. But we always get caught, so we can't do that. 
Um, so you just got to know better than that. Um, yo, know, 10 penalties, still not good. Turnover, still not good. You, you just want to be more perfect if you can. So that's all I got for y'all, man. Good is the enemy of great. Be great in everything that you do. Never let nobody tell you you can't do what you set your mind out to do. Wahoos win. Now they welcome Miami. It's a 12-30 game. Miami coming off a loss to Duke. Uh, they may have a quarterback change. They may not. You know, it's what have you done for me lately type of thing. But at the same time, man, it's like some people earn their stripes and you got to let them weather the storm. I'm riding with B.A. I ain't trying to fire a coach already after seven games. Nah, man. You got to let people work through it. Show you they can, they can, they can overcome adversity. And that's how I roll. That's how you roll too, Petty Hawk? Oh, you know that's how I roll. I'm always ready. And waist strap when I hit the club. No, no, no. That ain't that type of podcast, man. You can't be saying stuff like that. Hey, man. Can you let me be violent sometimes? You too nice. All right, man. You want to take the people out? Nah, I ain't taking them nowhere. <laughs> I, I'm, I get treated. I ain't take what? Why you want me to take them somewhere? You treat them. No, man. Like you want to sign off on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Hey, appreciate everybody for tuning in, baby. This is Petty Hawk. And um, as always, man, it's the PPP. What's my three P's? I don't know what your three P's. God dang. Does anybody know what the people look, man? When we tweet this out, tell me what the three P's was again. Because he done forgot. You won't paying attention. Anyway, we out of here. Hey, yo, make sure y'all go to the Believe Network. Follow the Ball Hawk Show podcast. Also, at myhawkins.com. We got we got tons of content on the website, baby. And uh, we, we got to start putting some Petty Hawk content out there. I'm going to start doing my own podcast somehow, some way. But it got to be uncut because I got to curse. Nah, man, a righteous man don't curse. That's what Brian Dawkins said. Man, I ain't Brian Dawkins. I'm Petty Hawk, okay? He the righteous man. He weapon X, okay? I'm Petty Hawk. Cursing come with being petty. But you ain't you don't curse up here and you still petty. You got a point. You a smart dude. You went to UVA. You, you I guess you really is smart, huh? You might be a smart. Hey, you can't say that. We out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.